Penn State and James Franklin fire Mike Yursich as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. There could be some consequences from this. A change was needed. Something was needed to be done. Pat Kraft probably put some pressure on here to have the Penn State football team make a change. It certainly wasn't going to be James Franklin. So it was going to be somebody else. Let's talk about the ramifications from this on a Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome into a live edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. And thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch. Every single day we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Looking for your comments in this episode. I am Zach Seiko, your host of the show. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You got to download the Game Time app and use promo code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Mike Yersich has been fired after 10 games. Rutgers and Michigan State are left. Uh, a change, something needed to be done. And that's why Pat Kraft is athletic director. I, I feel like he wasn't going to give. Anybody, I, I don't think James, I'm not implying that James Franklin is going to get fired anytime soon, but the pressure's on because the jury, the evidence is there. There's no more second guessing or excuses for why Penn State football fell short of expectations. Ohio State and Michigan were both winnable games and in the biggest games of the season. Manny Diaz and the defense performed. Mike Yersich and the offense did not. Help out the channel. Subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions if you're not an everyday or become one. I appreciate everybody that's new to the channel. We've seen so much. We've seen so much support over the past few days. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoy the coverage, the discussion, which I want you to be a pre, uh, be a part of. But support the channel on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You can follow along on the audio side as well. Let me know in the comments what you think about this. This is a big change to come. This didn't. This doesn't happen in the off season. This happens right now after game 10. The, these are the consequences of not winning games that Penn State fully expected James Franklin and company to win. But things can definitely happen and, and can go sideways with this. If you, John, John Donovan, I, this kind of reminds me of the John Donovan move all the way back 2014, 2015. Uh, was relieved pretty quickly because progress wasn't made. But the team was not as talented. This I, I want to explain why you, Mike Yersich was fired first, and, and I've already started to do this. Then we'll talk about if this was the right move, and then who are the possible candidates in this. And like I said, looking for your comments. So I already see, you know, oh, who's Penn State going to hire? Who's going to be that next person? Uh, there's some leads. I'll, I'll throw out J1 Siders, probably the immediate replacement here, and we'll get confirmation on that, of course, very soon and talk about it when, if and when it does happen with Ty Howell. If you're going to make it and just to for the rest of the season, it would make sense for J1 Sider to take over because he was the co-offensive coordinator, the run game coordinator. Yes, he's the running backs coach, but he, you should look at his title. He has like five or six different titles uh, to go along uh, next to his name on GoPSUSports.com. So J1 Sider makes a lot of sense. And I, I've heard rumors about Sider taking or looking for offensive coordinator jobs, but there hasn't been anything that's attractive. And some schools have looked at him as a head coaching option too. I think J1 Sider has been patient, but we discussed that in the final segment. I did want to throw that out there for anybody that's thinking, well, who's going to be calling plays the last two games? 
probably J1 Cider, if I'm being honest. So I, I like this one to start it out. I, I'm just jumping from one Penn State channel to another one today. Thanks for making yesterday a little bit a little bit less painful. Uh, today can be. I don't I don't know how we should sum up today, Sunday, November twelfth, because I, I don't like seeing anybody lose their job. I, but at some point when you are not meeting your goals and expectations, you have to make a change. The definition of in, of insanity is doing something over and over and over again. Mike Yersich was starting to fall into that category. The offense kept doing the same things over and over and over again. This scaredness, this timidness, this not... Drew Aller, I I don't want to put any blame on him because it starts with the coaching. It starts with the coaching. So if your players are responding in in this way, if Drew Aller is scared to throw the football deep, why? please someone explain to me how your five-star quarterback who can airmail just about any football 80 to 90 yards effortlessly is somehow scared to throw it deep. That's got to start somewhere else. <laughs> that can't, that can't be, that can't just be on Drew. The players, especially in college football, they don't go rogue. They don't make their own decision. You know, quarterbacks will call their own plays uh, in the NFL, right? They have, because they're, they're, they've been playing football for a longer time and they're also paid to do that. But in the case of Drew Aller and college football players, they look towards the sideline. They do the check with me to get the calls from the sideline that come in. And who is making those calls? Mike Yersich. So when you had the biggest expectations, right, there there were little to no excuses for why Penn State's offense was as lackluster, even in the games where they won comfortably. Illinois, Northwestern, I would say even Maryland. It's not like Penn State's offense was marching up and down the field Penn State's defense, I pointed this out a lot on the show, helped the offense start 27% of drives on the other side of the 50. That is best in the nation. 27% of offensive drives were starting in opponent's territory, best in college football, and Penn State was still having the struggles they were on offense? That's what, this is Mike Yersich's bread and butter. Quarterbacks coach, quarterback guru. Drew Allers, the five-star quarterback that everybody's been waiting for a long time, and he's been so underwhelming, so underwhelming. A move like this doesn't happen without talking to people and having meetings. This wasn't spontaneous. I wonder if this was something that had been brewing for a few weeks. I think I think people were put on notice, maybe even before the Ohio State game, just maybe even before that. Like, hey, we're we're not doing enough. Thirty points against Illinois is something like just you got you have to get more comfortable. And, and James Franklin said that after you, if you listen closely to what he says, he doesn't directly go, "It's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault." But he'll say, "Well, we need to make some changes." And one of them that was pretty damning after the Michigan game was when he was asked about Drew Aller, and. He didn't comment on Drew Aller's performance whatsoever, specifically. What did the quarterback do right? What did he do wrong? Where can he improve? He didn't say anything about the sophomore. He went immediately after the play calling and said, yeah, I I think we needed to do things where we allowed Drew Aller to get comfortable and confident. Well, who's calling plays? Who's responsible for Drew Aller's comfortableness, uh, comfortability, (laughs) his confidence? Uh, yes, Drew Aller, would I like to see him that be able to be a little more confident? But when your coach takes the football out of your hands 
for a majority of the game, your offensive coordinator. He had 10 carries. He's a pocket passer. Drew Aller's not a statue, but he's not a track star. And for some reason, that was your offensive game plan and the chance to save your season. So it Pat Kraft probably demanded a change. That's where this came from. And this was the only change that you could make. Who were you going, who were you going to fire? Were you going to bench Drew Aller? I, I saw this was this was crazy to me, and people were contacting me about this across a, a fellow locked on hosts were were talking about this with me. Somebody put out a fake quote saying that James Franklin had uh, was just tore into Drew Aller and said that we need to reopen the quarterback position. We need to make a change. Uh, there are so many things that he did wrong, and it was a fake quote, and it went absolutely viral on, on X and Twitter. Thank you <laughs> for people that don't trust actual reporters. And instead, Drew Aller, is, it, it, he's, he's a victim of poor coaching in this case. He is. And I don't like to see anybody fired. Mike, Mike Yersich had a 13-game streak of 30-plus point games. Mike Yersich had an underwhelming 2021 season, but you have to understand what you were working with. The offensive line wasn't as good. You didn't have Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, but this time you don't have that excuse. You were supposed to build off the 2022 season, right? You went from Sean Clifford to Drew Aller. You had a veteran. I, I think the wide receivers, because it's hindsight's 2020, right? Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, and Brenton Strange are a better trio right now than Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, of course. You know, we're going, I guess, four or five players here in this case. But Keandre Lambert-Smith, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, and Dante Cephas were supposed to be a better group of targets than Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, Brenton Strange, and the younger versions of Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. You get what I'm saying? Like, the passing options were either identical, or you could argue that 2023's team had better options just because of the experience that was coming along with it. And then another year of Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, the best offensive line that you've had in a decade. And the offense took a step backward with a five-star quarterback who everybody's been hyping up. We are not doing this in the media because we are trying to carry water for James Franklin and this Penn State team. No, it's stuff that we've seen at practice. It's stuff that the coaches are, are telling us. And are they going to lie to us and say that, no, Drew Aller is actually really bad. He's not developing. But then you see it and it's like, how did, how did we go from an opening touchdown of the season against West Virginia where Drew Aller steps up in the pocket, throws a bomb across his body to Keandre Lambert-Smith. He spins out of a tackle and runs into the end zone. How do we go from that to Drew Aller quarterback draws on third and seven against Michigan? What happened? That's my question in all of this. What happened? Because it seemed like everything was going right. And it's not like players were getting banged up. Players were missing. Oh, Singleton and Allen haven't been 100% or or guys aren't uh, available in the passing game. Of course, there is Trey Wallace, but tight ends are there. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, the offensive line with all the depth that it has. And all that depth is intact. So what? what's the constant here? And, and unfortunately... It had to be Mike Yersich. So a lot of the fans called it out. They saw it. And that's not why Penn State made a change. Penn State didn't make a change because enough fans complained. But everybody saw the exact same thing. If the fans, if the fans collectively start to point something out, it becomes obvious to a point. 
but that's not what Pat Kraft and James Franklin said. Well, the fans were pretty upset and uh, they, they booed a lot. So therefore we need to fire somebody. We need to call for somebody's job. That's not how this worked. That's never how it's going to work. But in the biggest games of the year, Mike Yersich did not call them well. He did not. I just, I'm, I'm baffled here because I thought Mike Yersich was a home run hire in 2021. He led such prolific offenses, and maybe he's just suited better for the Big 12. Maybe the Big 10 conference is not for him. I don't know because there, there is that understanding. Maybe coaches are just better suited for because different kinds of football are played in different conference in different conferences. Of course, there's not a lot of defense in the former in the former Big 12, right? When he was at Oklahoma State. But his offenses were ranked so well in the passing game. They were top 10. He was getting. I can't even name the quarterback at Oklahoma State. And I'm probably doing a disservice to myself for not knowing his name. But with Brandon Whedon and Mason Rudolph, those guys come to mind for Oklahoma State. Mike Yersich did not coach them, but he coached somebody else who doesn't have who didn't have a great football career and made him look like a very good college football quarterback. So now you have the five star. And where is the disconnect? Where's the disconnect in all of this? And that's why a change was made. That's why that's why Penn State made a change, and and it's happening now as opposed to later. I'm surprised it didn't happen in the off season. I, I really don't because, like I said, there is, is this the right move? I'm explaining why it happened from my point of view. What we're kind of seeing here in this case, and ultimately, is this the good move? Is it a good move? Is it a bad move? You could argue that it's a head start for the next offensive coordinator, and maybe that's what Penn State's thinking here, but. We're going to discuss if this is the right move in the upcoming segment. I appreciate all of you joining the live show here. I'm going to look at the comments after a quick break as we hear from one of our sponsors. But that's that's really what matters now next. Is this the right move for Penn State football? We'll discuss in just a second after we hear from our sponsor on today's episode, and that is Game Time. Game Time's great. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful, and that's exactly what Game Time has set out to do, to take the stress away from buying those tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for everything, sports, music, comedy, theater near you. You get flash deals on those last-minute tickets, so when you're scrambling to think, you know, where am I going to, am I going to get tickets in time for this event? A Game Time's the place to do that, but then you get last-second deals on those last-second tickets. And it's easy to find and buy tickets in your area. When you're, when you're looking up for concerts and events in your area, Game Time has that filtered. And, and my favorite view, I've used the Game Time app. I've used it to buy tickets before. And you get, image, you get image views of where you're going to be sitting from. So there's no second guessing. There's no wondering where you're going to be seated or if you're going to like your point of view. You know immediately from using the Game Time app. Game Time is the place to get those last second deals on everything football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I appreciate all the support on the channel here. As I welcome a lot of new everydayers to the show, thank you for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. If you're still new to the channel, subscribe on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave me feedback. Like some of the recent episodes, we have so much content from yesterday's Penn State-Michigan loss, 24-15. to 15. It was not good. 
now we go to the comments as we see what everyone else thinks if this is going to be a good move. We'll talk about who we're going to hire in the final segment. But here we go. Impressive move from Franklin. First one all year. Can't believe he did it in a season. Thought he would wait till the end of the season. So we have a similar thought process here, Stephen. But I'm glad three years was enough to know that this was the right move. It's tough to say because the offense was making progress. 2022, you went from what 2021 was, and that was awful. And you had Jahan Dotson right but the running game was abysmal and i feel and i feel like that is not mike years just strong suit because everything quarterback coach quarterback guru guru passing attack aerial attack and that's where penn state was supposed to be more exciting because you had the five star quarterback the wide receivers the wide receivers aren't to blame for everything but they're certainly not doing enough and we're hoping here that a change when a change is made that there will be a different response but clearly, if Mike Yersich has any weakness, it's running the football. It's calling running plays. I know 2022 saw some more success, but there was a lot of bad in 2021. And you bring back that entire group, Singleton, Allen, Trey Potts in the transfer portal, Olu Fashion, who's back, Hayden Wallace, Hunter Norzad, Sal Wormley. You had four returning starters, and we've seen how good J.B. Nelson has been and Vanga Yuane in limited playing time there. But that offensive line is good. And somehow Singleton and Allen take a step back. I mean, Allen's been good. Allen's been good. But collectively, the running game as a whole from 2022, how did two freshmen take a step backwards? How did they how did they do that? I, I can't I can't figure it out. Do I have any inside info if Kraft pushed Franklin? I can make an assumption. I because why why James Franklin is not on the hot seat is because he's built a really good program at Penn State. Oh, that's probably going to get the the chat lighting up for fun. It'll be it'll be fun to see your response to that, but uh, James Franklin has made a lot of changes for the better. I mean, they have a top 5 defense. James Franklin makes that decision. He he called up Manny Diaz immediately after he was let go from Miami. That that's good scouting. James Franklin has also sent on a lot of head coaches too. Joe Moorhead becomes a head coach. Again, lands a better job, right? Because we know he was at Fordham. He comes over to Penn State, and then he lands the Mississippi State job, and now he's at Akron. Uh, Ricky Ronnie goes from Penn State offensive coordinator in such a short time to the head coach at Old Dominion. Guys are making lateral moves, and James Franklin has a, a good coaching tree for what it is worth, and the facilities have gotten better. The recruiting is at least at the very minimum top 15 but you're going to have those really solid top 10 classes. James Franklin is not doing a bad job leading a program, but there is something wrong when it comes to big games because now the results are there. They're set in stone. There's no more wondering what is the, is the ceiling here. Zach, someone has to ask James Franklin why tomorrow he's had five offensive coordinators in 10 seasons. Uh, John Donovan didn't fit. Joe Moorhead, again, took a head coaching job. Ricky Ronnie took a head coaching job. Kirk Shiraka. That one's an interesting one. Kirk Shiraka is interesting because that had a lot to do with the COVID, COVID situation. All the, that was the worst timing of it. I think Kirk Shiraka could have been a really nice fit for Penn State and James Franklin. I, I'm I'm asking basically a pandemic to not have had that happen, right? I, I think that's a lot to ask. But society changed momentarily, and when football is built on communication. 
and all of your offensive playbook meetings. And when you have a chance to work with the coaches on what the playbook is, you're doing it over Zoom. That's not going to go over well. And I think Kirk Shiraka said, you know what? Let me start fresh. And James Franklin said, I agree. <laughs> I agree. It just didn't, it just didn't work out. Please fire Franklin. That's not going to happen. He has an insane buyout. I know what Texas A&M is doing. I feel like that's a point of discussion here and probably for future episodes as well. But Jimbo Fisher has all the money in the world, all the NIL, different circumstances in Texas A&M. And they're also very underwhelming. At least Penn State is winning, going 10-2, and two, getting to the New Year's Six Bowls. What is Texas A&M doing? What are they? They're six and four? And they're supposed to have more, and they're supposed to be the more talented team than Penn State. Penn State would beat Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. So maybe he just, maybe he just doesn't belong because he won at Florida State. Maybe he doesn't belong in the SEC. There's that. So is this, is this, a right, is this the right move? And some people criticize me for this because the implications are not so much about where the, where the offense was going to go. But the identity, the offensive coordinator, let me, let me explain this first. Start with this. The offensive coordinator is the head coach of the offense. The way that James Franklin as a head coach runs this system, he delegates a lot of responsibility. Is that a good thing or is, a, is that a bad thing? That's up for debate. And I'm sure we can continue to have this conversation, but that's not the point here. Mike Yursich is the architect of this offensive system. Was, was, right? Was the architect of this offensive system. So he has all the control. He has all the say. James Franklin has influence, but he co-signs a lot of stuff. He backs off and says, Manny Diaz, that is your defense. Mike Yursich, that is your offense. So what did Mike Yursich do for the past three years? He built a pro-style offense that had elements of RPO because Sean Clifford was a running quarterback, but then those RPOs carried over to Drew Aller as well, and it wasn't a full pro-style passing offense, like an NFL type of offense, even though they did go under center from time to time. However, Penn State's next move to go get an offensive coordinator is going to be very interesting. It's going to be very telling. Do you make a decision based on your personnel of who you already have, which I think is the right thing to do. But that's going to be difficult. So J1 Sider coming in as the offensive coordinator temporarily under the assumption, right? Or Ty Howe. Well, I think they'll work on the offense together. But as far as calling plays, I anticipate that that's J1 Sider's job. J1 Sider's a, a running backs guy. He's not a, a, a bona fide, a long, long-time quarterbacks coach. He works with the running back. So are we going to see an uptick in, I'm not saying that J1 Sider is going to totally scrap the passing attack in favor of Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, but there's definitely going to be a more dominant run heavy type of system. I think we're going to see more success out of Singleton and Allen towards the end of the season here. I really do in, into the bowl game as well. That's going to be fun to watch them break the long runs once again. And that will be the influence of J1 Sider. But Drew Aller didn't come to Penn State to be a quarterback that hands it off. He has too much potential here. So is Penn State going to move forward with somebody who is a run first, more of your traditional Big Ten, or are they going to look to somebody that mirrors what Mike Yersich was trying to do? They're not going to find a Mike Yersich 2.0, but I'm saying, do you find somebody that has more of a quarterback and a passing background 
Or do you go with somebody who's ground and pound like a Sharon Moore at Michigan? Right? You got to kind of pick your side. Do you go with a running type of offense, run first? Or do you go with a pass first because you have you have talent at both spots? But I'm saying I'm thinking because you brought in Drew Aller and people that more that mirror more of the pro style system right now in the present, that's who your offensive coordinator should be. Is this the right move? Mike Yursich getting fired. The, ju- the jury's still, if you see success, yes, it's the right move. But Drew Aller, this is my this is my bigger point because in the age of the transfer portal and NIL, people are going to start contacting Drew Aller, Bo Crabula, Jackson Smolik, and Ethan Grunkmeyer. What do all four of those quarterbacks have in common? They had really good relationships with Mike Yersich, and part of the reason that they're at Penn State or committed to Penn State is because of Mike Yersich. James Franklin is one of the best at recruiting, but the coordinators do a heck of a job as well. Drew Aller was being recruited when Mike Yersich was at Texas. I'm not saying that Aller would have went straight to Texas to, to be their quarterback at the time, but he has a long-standing relationship, and players commit to their coaches along with the system. So this is something to keep an eye on. Where, how does Drew Aller feel about this? Because his relation with, relationship with Mike Yersich, even though he wasn't developing the way that we thought he would, is still very tight, very close with Mike Yersich. If another big program takes a chance on Mike Yersich, do you think that's going to stop Mike Yersich from trying to recruit any of these quarterbacks in the age of the transfer portal? Again, I am not here to say and ring the alarm that Drew Aller is hopping in the transfer portal immediately, but you have to to wonder what can happen from this. So it seems good in the moment, right? This, is it, this isn't a knee-jerk reaction. It was supposed to happen all along. But there are other things. If you can, look, if you can build the offense back better, if you can go get somebody that's going to compliment Drew Aller for his time at Penn State, then yes, this is the right thing to do, and you started the process early. Or this can get really ugly if you're not able to Keep everyone happy. I hope this doesn't alienate the offense. Like I said, it's interesting that this came in the middle of the season. It is interesting towards the end of the season, right? I say in the middle, but in the midst of them playing football. They all got to go to practice this Sunday, right? They go in for their Sunday night practice. James Franklin's got a press conference tomorrow. Mike, It's not like Mike Yersich was hated. People, People liked him. But the results weren't there. When a C, when a C, uh, CEO isn't taking the business where it needs to be, you make a change. The board gets together and they make a change. In this case, the CEO of the offense was not doing well. We'll go back to the comments. I find this one interesting. Come on, Zach. Aller's happy feet aren't the coach's fault. Uh, it can be. It can be. You're supposed to be able to work on that. Uh, that's uh, that's part of it is a confidence issue. Part of it is also a technique issue, but it's not why. in Drew Aller, kind of when he has a clean pocket, he delivers the football. So some something there was some sort of disconnect there. Zach James Franklin is part of the play calling. He can step in according to him. That's true, but I'm saying that these guys are the head coaches of the offense. Mike Yersich at the beginning and at the end calls the plays, designs the game plan, 
James Franklin, J1 Sider, Danny O'Brien, all those guys ha have the influence. But this is Mike Yursich's offense. I'm going to ignore some of the nasty comments in the <laughs> uh, in the comments section, but appreciate you joining the show. I really do. I this the the jury's still out if this is the right move or not, but we need to talk about possible replacements. J1 Sider and Ty Howell are the first ones that come to mind in-house. Who is who are some other ones that they're going to go outside to make a change with none of the players that that coach recruited? But before we discuss that, let's hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Jace Medical. We spent a lot of time talking together, you and I, the audience. We get fired up together on wins and certainly the losses. Who starts, who sits. And I'm thankful for that connection that you and I have. And, and today I want to chat a little more about something personal. Whether you're on extended travel for uh, or bracing for a major weather event or you're limited by a supply shortage, shortage, you are covered, my friend. Yes, you are. And thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even ED generics like Cialis or Viagra. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive a 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. Verified customer had this to say about Jace. I am thankful for this supply. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half just to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacy. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would want to get some peace of mind by having a year supply on any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it is offered to you. Remember to use promo code Locked On for $20 off your purchase. That is Jace Medical. And in this final segment of the live show, and we'll be wrapping it up here and talking about the future now, possible replacements. I got a list of them here. I've seen people in the comments suggesting uh, different people bring back Joe Moorhead. Joe Brady's been a popular one. Uh, he's currently the quarterback's coach at the with the Buffalo Bills. So, And he was an offensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers, but he was also the architect of that passing game for Joe Burrow and those national champion LSU Tigers. But he also did have Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You get what I'm saying? That was an extremely talented passing attack. Edwards Alaire was a running back, but he was very heavily involved in, in the passing game. But we'll start we'll start with the in-house options. J1 Sider, Sider is my choice. I feel like he's been patient. He's been patient with waiting and he wants to be more than just a glorified running backs coach. Excellent recruiter. I think he deserves an opportunity for the final 3 games of the season to call plays because People have, programs have entertained him as a head coach. Programs have entertained him as an offensive coordinator. He is the co-offensive coordinator for what it's worth. He's just not calling the plays. So why not give Sider a chance when 10-2 and two is the end of the road here with a bowl game? You really don't have much else to lose. Ty Howell's another one. Ty Howell has worked his way up. Former Penn State Nittany Lion football player, now the tight ends coach. And he's become a rising star. What, what can he do as, uh, as a play caller? I mean, James Franklin's not afraid to promote people in-house. Ricky Ronnie, but he's also not afraid. So that's why I can't make a prediction here. I, 
my my prediction moving forward, I think that J1 Sider is the leading candidate. But we won't, we'll know more on Monday. I anticipate that this is going to be asked in the press conference since now we have Monday press conferences at noon for James Franklin. I am fully anticipating that people are going to ask, is it J1 Sider or are you going to go outside of the system to make your next offensive coordinator pick, which they have done the past two times after Ricky Ronnie, it was Kirk Shiraka and then Mike Yersich here. Another option is Danny O'Brien. I think this one's a little too premature. Danny O'Brien uh, helps out with the with the quarterbacks, but this I, I think this is someone, and I've had this discussion actually with people from HappyValleyInsider.com. Danny O'Brien is kind of in a spot where you might need to you might need to go to another program, a smaller program, and start to get your feet wet as an offensive coordinator, and then maybe you can come back. But he has a really good relationship with James Franklin, so I'm wondering if he still remains on the staff in his current position and assume some more responsibilities without maybe necessarily making a title change. I don't know how much Penn State wants to see Danny O'Brien go, but if he's kind of too good for his own good, right? And can't he's he's outgrown that title of being an assistant on the staff and not being someone who calls plays and dictates the offense, he can go somewhere else and then maybe return to a James Franklin if you know, <laughs> assuming he's still the head coach at Penn State, right? Now let's go outside outside here joe moorhead none and none of these these guys are going to be off the wall predictions because i can't just go to any team program and say like oh penn state can take him penn state could pluck them that's not how it works no random offensive coordinator is going just to jump it's about relationships but these are the first four that i have that come to mind joe moorhead is the obvious one but i will say this probably doesn't happen i think he likes coaching at akron it, it's comfortable. He's from the Pittsburgh area. That's that's close enough for him. And the level of competition in the MAC is good. But if Akron Akron hasn't made a lot of progress there, but a, a program isn't built in one day, I feel like that's a five to six year plan for Moorhead. He's still just at the beginning. He's not even really halfway through yet. That's going to take time. I don't see Moorhead giving up that head coaching job. It's different at Fordham. <laughs> it's different at Fordham as an FCS program. Um, but in this case. Uh, he'll stick with Akron, even though despite not being power five, I think he likes being the head coach out there. Tyler Bowen. Some people might remember this name. Tyler Bowen is currently the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Virginia Tech. Why do we remember him? Because he was the tight ends coach at Penn State and a very good one. Then he followed Urban Meyer to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That obviously did not go well. And now he's at Virginia Tech working under Brent Pry as the OC and, and QB's coach. He was a tight ends coach, so that's why J1 Sider. I just i I view J1 Sider as more of a run first type of offensive coordinator rather than a passing guru. And with the players that you have right, and particularly Drew Aller, because you have Drew Aller right now and you built this pro style system up for what it's worth. That's why I'm wondering what decision does Penn State go with, and the way that the Big Ten, the Big Ten is going to see a huge shift with Oregon. Washington, USC, UCLA, all those teams are spread offensive heavy type of teams. It's not your traditional ground. So we're going to get a real mix and match here between schools that are like Michigan, Northwestern Illinois, the ground and pound physical types of teams versus the finesse. So what Penn State really has a fork in the road here with what direction they want to commit to of being a spread style type of team or stay closer to the pro style ground and pound that is the Big 10. But now you have the influence of the 
the cat I, I can't call them cast offs but the remnants of, of the pac 12 of the pac 12 but tyler bowen virginia tech is getting better so i'm wondering if penn state is noticing that another candidate is joe brady i've already mentioned joe brady did not work out with the Panthers, was fired in the middle of the season. He was the offensive coordinator at, with Matt Rule, and then Matt Rule was fired by the Panthers. It just didn't work out. Matt Rule is a college coach, but uh, you, can't, you can't not commend him for giving it a try in the NFL. Current quarterbacks coach with the Buffalo Bills. So what, what do Bowen and Brady have in common other than being former Penn State staff members? They're also very young. They're very young coordinators or coaches. Uh, assistants at their current jobs. Tyler Rowan's only 34. Joe Brady was a graduate assistant at Penn State and then was a part of a national. I, I like Joe Brady because he's been win If you can somehow convince Joe Brady, this is an ideal candidate. Do I see it happening? It's going to be unlikely because he probably gets pa paid very well to be an NFL quarterbacks coach with the Buffalo Bills. That's one thing. So you got to compete with that salary. You also have to say, hey, Joe Brady, you're probably used to the way that the NFL system works and not having to deal with NIL, the transfer portal, constantly recruiting your players. If that's something that Brady likes or is okay with getting back into, then maybe this conversation's a little easier to have. But I think going to work with Josh, from working with Josh Allen and the little less nonsense from college football to the NFL is going to be tough to bring Joe Brady back to state college. Uh, but he has the resume. And I like that he was on a national championship team and he's with the Buffalo Bills. Standards are important. Yes, he was with the Carolina Panthers at one time, but he's been with winning systems and systems that demand the best. He's not coming from loser programs or places that didn't succeed routinely, right? I, the Panthers were a dumpster fire, still kind of a dumpster fire right now, uh, even with Bryce Young. The last candidate I will throw out there, and this one could logically make sense. This one isn't being talked about enough. Josh Gaddis at Maryland, current offensive coordinator under Mike Locksley. Josh Gaddis was the wide receivers coach at Penn State, then went down to Alabama, then went to Michigan and became their offensive coordinator, then went to, I, I know he's been a journeyman and everyone's saying, oh, well, he jumps around, he jumps around, he jumps around. Him and James Franklin have a good relationship from my understanding. So Gaddis, again, outgrew the title. He outgrew the title of just being a wide receivers coach whether he became impatient or not, you outgrow things. So in Josh Gaddis's case, he was no longer good. He was too good for just being the wide receivers coach at Penn State. Goes down to Alabama, gets the experience again with a winning program. This is what I like. I like coaches that are involved with good winning programs. They have high expectations and high standards. Coached under Nick Saban down in Alabama. Coached at Jim Harbaugh. A coach with Jim Harbaugh over at Michigan. Then took the Miami job. Things didn't exactly work out there. And now he's with Maryland under, and Mike Loxley probably built a relationship with Gaddis while they were at Alabama together right, and had that connection. So James Franklin, Josh Gaddis have that connection. Maryland's offense for what it's worth with the current, with the level of talent that they have. Talia Tungavaloa is good. The passing game has looked good for what it's worth. It's not great, but it's good. So imagine what Gaddis could do with a better cast around him, right? And I think him and Marcus Hagan's working together, both of those guys together to recruit wide receivers to Happy Valley, even though he'd be the offensive coordinator, hypothetically, he would still have influence on getting guys that are insanely good pass catchers 
up to Penn State. Problem right now is there's not a good, not enough good targets for Duraller to throw to. That's all I'm saying. That's a benefit of possibly bringing in Josh Gaddis. So those are my four that immediately come to mind. Penn State staying in-house, I think, is the most likely option with J1 Sider. I really do. And, and I do, I get, I ultimately get a little concerned. Like I said, ramifications, consequences. If J1 Sider doesn't get hired as the full offensive coordinator at Penn State, does he consider leaving? Does he consider going home to the state of Florida if, if some sort of job opens up, an offensive coordinator spot with the Gators or uh, with the Seminoles or FAU, right? He's been considered for head coaching jobs too. So if a position opens up in his hometown, what happens there? That's all, or in his home state. That's all I'm saying here. I, I see. I, there are too many comments to get to, uh, unfortunately. So, but those are the four candidates that come to mind. I think J1 Sider is going to be the guy. And if he's not, there's going to be some, there's going to be some consequences there as well. Appreciate your comments. Appreciate you stopping by the show. Become an everyday or subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along for more episodes as we do this daily. We talk about Penn State football as well as the other sports. Men's basketball is 2-0 in the Mike Rhodes system. We'll be talking about that. Penn State wrestling starting its duels, and we'll be getting into the regular season schedule as well. So for more Nittany Lion content, it'll all be right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.